I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. Let's turn our Bibles to Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 15. And I'm not going to read all of those verses, but we're going to make reference to some of those. I am going to read Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 8, and then verse 12. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephuda, the Kezanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And then notice in verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. The passage here before us centers on a man called Caleb. Caleb was a part of Israel when they left Egypt. He was there when God divided the waters of the Red Sea. By the way, Israel crossing the Red Sea is a picture of salvation. Freedom from bondage and freedom from Pharaoh. Observing Israel as they journey through the wilderness shows us there is much more to salvation than just being set free. God had a land flowing with milk and honey prepared for them. It would be a land of giants and a land of battles, but it was theirs if they wanted it. As you know, Israel chose to wander in the wilderness. And here is another great picture of the Christian life. God saves us and promises us that we can have a life of victory and intense spiritual joy, but rather than claim what is rightfully ours, things like peace and joy and fellowship and power and the glory of God 
We choose to live in a spiritual wilderness, defeated and depressed. This morning, I want to tell you that many believers are guilty of spiritual window shopping. Now, there's nothing wrong with window shopping. A lot of folks like to do it. Men normally don't like it. A fellow said to his wife one time, why do you call it shopping when you never buy anything? She said, why do you call it fishing when you never catch anything? As Christians, we need to do more than window shop with God's promises. We should appropriate them. This morning, I want us to see what it was that enabled this 85-year-old man to possess that which God had promised him. Caleb pictures the Christian who is willing to pay the price, fight the battles, win the victory that God has waiting for him. Now, in these verses, we're shown how we too can claim our little part of Canaan and walk in victory day by day. I want to point out to you in Joshua chapter 14, verse 8, 9, and 14, Caleb's commitment. Now, the first key to Caleb's success was that God had all of Caleb. He had all of Caleb that there was. Note the repeated phrase, holy followed the Lord. Now, this is said about Caleb six times in the Old Testament. And it's a phrase that means to close the gap. It's a phrase used by hunters to refer to their closing the gap between themselves and their prey. It refers to the fact that Caleb was committed to keeping the distance between him and the Lord at a minimum. Every inch, every ounce, every nerve, every fiber of Caleb belonged to God. Now you may think that because you're not a preacher or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, whatever, God does not expect to have all of you. Wrong. 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 God deserves your all. So if you're holding back even just a little bit, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Why? Because you're saved and you are all his anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. When Julius Caesar landed on the shores of Britain with his Roman legions, he took a bold and decisive step to ensure the success of his military venture. Ordering his men to halt at the edge of the cliffs of Dover, he commanded them to look down at the water below. And to their amazement, they saw every ship in which they had crossed the channel completely engulfed in flames. Caesar had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. Now that his soldiers were unable to return to the continent, there was nothing left for them to do but to advance and conquer. 
That's what, exactly what they did. Too many Christians have left themselves some sort of an escape hatch back into the old life of sin. We need to burn every bridge that leads back to the old life and set our minds to the task of conquering our Canaan. The story is told of a man who rode in his car as it was being towed to be repaired. When they arrived at the repair shop, the tow truck driver told him, I didn't think I was going to make it up that big hill. man replied, I didn't either. That's why I kept the brakes on so it wouldn't roll backwards. To live without total dedication to Christ is the same as trying to go forward and hold back at the same time. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James 1.8 says. And there's only one way to stand up against the Satan and the hordes of hell, and that's to be totally surrendered to Christ. Perhaps we need to be like ham and eggs. You say, you're nuts, preacher. Well, when you consider ham and eggs, and everyone in here probably loves to eat them, the chicken was definitely involved, but the pig was fully committed. Spurgeon told about a deep love and devotion French soldiers had for their leader, Napoleon. And he noted that it was not at all unusual for a mortally wounded soldier to raise himself up on one elbow and give a final cheer to the revered general. And if by chance the dying man saw Napoleon nearby, he would, with his final breath, shout, Long live the emperor. Perhaps one of the most eloquent expressions of all, as it would come off the lips of a soldier who had been shot in the chest. As a surgeon was attempting to remove the bullet, the suffering man was heard to whisper, if you go much deeper, doctor, you're, you'll come to the emperor. Spurgeon commented, he had him on his heart. If a man as notorious as Napoleon could be the object of such undying devotion, how much more Jesus Christ our Lord should be. You've often heard me say it. The man who is intimate with God need not be intimidated by man. The man who kneels before God can stand before anybody or anything. D.L. Moody was saved at the age of 19. Moody heard an evangelist by the name of Henry Varley. And he heard him say that the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and with and for a man who is totally and wholly committed to it. Moody said, by God's grace, I'll be that man. He was uncultured. He was uneducated. He was untrained. But God used him to move two continents for Christ. Why? Because he was committed. My friend, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I would tell you also as we move along in our scripture in Joshua 14 and verse 12, we see Caleb's confidence. 
What was it that gave 85-year-old Caleb the idea he could be a giant killer? Caleb's confidence, his faith, was in God's word, verses 10 and 12. Now, here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 1, 34 through 36. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it. And to him will I give the land that hath trodden on, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Caleb had seen the promised land, and for 45 years, that vision had burned in his heart as he wandered through the wilderness. While others complained, Caleb looked for a mountain where milk and honey flowed and where the grapes of Eskol grew. He was able to see beyond his circumstances into the promises of God. My friend, we need some, some of the same people who are cut from that same cloth. I can see Caleb now climbing that mountain with a sword in his hand and a deed in the other while singing to the top of his lung, I want that mountain. I want that mountain where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Eskol grow. I want that mountain, the mountain that the Lord has given me. Caleb knew God had given it to him, so he claimed it. Secondly, something else you need to know about faith. Faith is not positive thinking. Now, you should think positively, but faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not optimism. Faith is not looking on the bright side. Faith is simply acting on what God says. Faith is more than saying that you believe. It is acting on what you believe. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It takes faith to win spiritual victory. In fact, faith in God alone can give us the victory we seek. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Believe in what? Believe that he is God. Faith is never a blind leap. But it is a deep, settled conviction that God will do what he has promised. And some of you intellectuals out there would like to try to explain away faith. You can't do it. And if you try, you're never going to enjoy it. Thirdly, I'll show you Caleb's courage. Commitment led to confidence. Confidence led to courage. Caleb had to scale three great obstacles in his quest for his kingdom. One, he had to overcome grasshoppers in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. Now, for Caleb to claim what God has promised, he had to go against the majority. 
He had to go against the majority. Sometimes you're going to be the only ones that's going in the right direction. Everyone else is going to be going against you. You've got the cants and the canters. They will always surround the people of faith. You've got people who do. Then you've got people who think they can do. And then you've got people who think that no one else should do because they're not doing anything. There will always be someone saying that it can't be done. It's never been done like that before, or we can't afford it, or we don't need to do it, or that's a terrible idea. Majority of anything that anyone has ever told me that was a bad idea, it was exactly what God wanted me to do. Sometimes you're going to stand alone. But my friend, if you're standing on the word of God, in the will of God, then you've never been in better company. Caleb had to overcome giants. Numbers chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. All of us have giants in our lives, whether it's giants of discouragement, finances, sickness, family distress, doubt. And the truth is, we cannot defeat them ourselves. We have two options. We can... Look how small we are compared to those giants. And that outlook is fear. Fear doesn't come from God. Not this kind of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Or the second option is look how small those giants are compared to your God. Now this is the uplook of faith. Philippians 4 and verse 13. Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Now, everyone loves that verse. Everyone wants to quote that verse. I've even heard the lost crowd use that verse. Let me just say from the onset in context, that verse is not permission to do anything you want. It is not God sanctioning anything and everything you desire. Nor is it God saying, I'm going to be your quarterback and you go and you be the uh, the lineman, or, or you go be the running back, or whatever. It, it's not for you to use for your personal use. God will give you the strength to do that which is according to His will when you serve Him. God will not give you the strength to do anything that's contrary to His word or His will. So for you to use this verse and post it all over your social media and to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me and you never darken the door of the house of God and you never bring the Bible to your life, you never are, you're not a student of the word of God, then my friend, you're misusing that verse. Stop it. Cease and desist. It is not for you, nor is it for your use. 
Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He was saying, I can do all things that God gives me to do. I can do all things that are his will to do. There is nothing God will give me that he will not give me the strength to do. So listen, fighting giants in your life is good for you. A smooth sea never made a good sailor. And my friend, sometimes you have to have giants in your life to know and to recognize that God can bring you through. Now, Caleb also had to overcome gray hairs. Joshua 14, verses 10 and 11. What does this tell us? When God makes a promise, he will give us the strength to see its fulfillment. You see, never count God out. True faith looks beyond the present circumstance and sees the provision of the Almighty. Everyone in the South recognizes the name Jerry Clower. Jerry Clower tells of a story about Uncle Versy Ledbetter who had a mule named Della. And one day Della fell in a cistern. Uncle Versy thought that he had covered up this well, but he hadn't. Uncle Versy had a problem. There was his best mule down at the bottom of that well. And no way he could ever get that mule out. He didn't want her to stay down there. He certainly didn't want her to starve to death. So he decided he'd get a shovel and he'd start covering her up. He'd bury her alive. It would be cruel. But he wouldn't be as cruel and inhumane as to let poor Della starve to death in the bottom of that deep well. Uncle Versi took a shovel of dirt and threw it down in the cistern. And every time a shovel of dirt hit old Della, she'd shake off that dirt. Shake off that dirt and stop it. It wasn't long. Old Della had shaken off enough dirt and stomped it. She was high enough and she jumped out of that well. My friends, we're like that mule. Either our problems will bury us or we can trample down until we rise above them. When you boil all the fat away, courage can be defined in three letters. Yes. You see, all real Christian courage really is is the willingness to say yes to God's call and will in your life, which brings me to my last point. Joshua 14, verses 13 and 14, Caleb's conquest. Caleb experienced what God had promised. He climbed the mountains and he defeated the giants. He claimed his possession. The name of that place Caleb inherited was named Hebron. It means fellowship. 
Caleb refused to quit until he had obtained everything God had for him. He refused to stop until he had obtained that place of fellowship with God. Folks, what am I saying? You say times are hard. We don't know what the future's going to bring. We've got nuts in control of our government. We've got prices, inflation. We don't know anything about the future. We see things going to crazy. We see the world going to hell in a handbasket. We've got drag shows and we've got children. We've got drag queens pressing children's faces in their own crotches. And I can't believe that I'm saying that in a pulpit in America. But here we are and I'm being blunt. We as the people of God ought to have a battle cry this morning. We ought to refuse to give up, back up, or shut up, or be held up until we've stood up, lined up, read up, prayed up, confessed up, stored up, spoke up, looked up, filled up on everything God wants for his children. And we ought to settle for nothing less than the place of perfect fellowship with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, will there be trials? My goodness, yes. God had a flood for Noah. He had a fire for the three Hebrew boys. He had a lion's den for Daniel. He had a cake for the widow, and he had a cross for Christ. But there was victory on the midst of every trial that they ever went through, and there'll be victory for you as well.